Attention SLPs and OTs with existing private practices. Are you ready to level up your private practice and your life and make this your breakthrough year? If so, join us for Make More in 2024, a free training offered on Thursday, March 21st at 8 p.m. Eastern to discover how to shift from clinician to CEO. During the training, we'll talk about the importance of maximizing your income, adding revenue streams, setting up systems, and more so that you can ultimately work smarter and build a successful, sustainable, and sellable business. To sign up, just visit growyourprivatepractice.com backslash training. Don't miss the chance to learn how to effectively navigate the growth phase of the private practice journey. See you on the training. On this episode of the Private Practice Success Stories podcast, I'm going to introduce you to Hillary Cooper. Hillary is an SLP in Northern Louisiana, and she is really a Jill of all trades. She, I heard her term recently called multi-passionate. She truly defines a multi-passionate private practitioner who has not only a private practice, she does mobile fees. She also runs a nonprofit and is just recently opening a merchandise store. So she really has her hands in a lot of different places. Oh, and she's a mom and she's doing it really, really well. So if you are also multi-passionate, listen to this interview with Hillary because it's going to fire you up to get things done and to go out there and change the world. Hillary is also a member of the Grow Your Private Practice Coaching Program. And one of the things that we help our members do is to start to negotiate and navigate some of these side projects that will either bring them income, fulfillment, or both. So with no further ado, here's Hillary. My name is Jenna Castro-Casbon. I am part of a group of private practitioners who have taken client care into our own hands. We are skilled clinicians who pride ourselves on providing high quality care to our clients and their families. We are fighting against productivity requirements, administrative red tape, and unnecessary restrictions. We started our own private practices to take control of our professional and personal lives, of our schedules, of our incomes, of our future. We work hard for our clients, but on our terms. We believe in helping others, but also helping ourselves. We are not interested in competing with each other because we hope we'll all make it. We are successful private practitioners, and these are our stories. All right, before we dive in, can you please share your name, your location, and the name of your private practice? So my name is Hillary Cooper. I am located in Ruston, Louisiana, the bustling metropolis of Ruston, Louisiana, population of 20,000. And the name of one of my private practices is North Louisiana Swallow Solutions. It's a mobile fees company that services North Louisiana and South Arkansas. I am so excited to be doing this interview because Hillary has a interesting journey to private practice and is also doing lots of other things She's got a lot of hats and a lot of balls in the air. So we're going to hear about all of them tonight. Before we hear about some of that stuff, let's go back to the beginning. What was your early career as a speech pathologist like? So I graduated from University of Houston in 2011, and I wanted to get out of the city. And so I took a job at a private practice that serviced active duty soldiers, their dependents, retirees, pretty much only TRICARE recipients out of Fort Polk, Louisiana. And so I was brought on because it was mostly a pediatric private practice and they were wanting to expand more into the TBIs since the on-post TBI clinic was kind of getting 
overrun with all of our young guys coming back from Iraq and Afghanistan a little beat up. So I saw a lot of TBIs, some pediatrics, some dysphagia, and a lot of really interesting diagnoses that you wouldn't expect in a small town in Louisiana because it was a military installation. So that's where I spent the first three years of my career. And then I met a guy <laughs> and he convinced me to uproot where I was down there and sell my house and move up to North Louisiana where we got married and uh, we've been happily ever after since then. So I love it. So you started working with this one location and you were doing mostly TBI and whatnot. And then you moved mm -hmm. to a new place, new area. And what did you do career-wise when you got to Northern Louisiana? So I floated around a lot. I struggled really, really hard for a few years trying to find where I fit in the grand scheme of things. And so I floated around in different skilled nursing facilities. It just, none of them ever really fit me, my personality. And then I quit skilled nursing and I went to a hospital where I was trying to start a head and neck cancer rehab program. And while I was doing that, I was floating around. And then because of bureaucracy, the head and neck cancer program didn't get up and running. And I thought of it as a failure at the time. And looking back, I realized it was one of the best opportunities that I'd been given because I was then inspired to open my first private practice because I figured if this big corporation isn't going to let me do it the way I want to do it, then I'm going to do it myself. So I started speech therapy services in North Louisiana, started working for myself. So that was my first private practice. And it was liberating to be my own boss for the first time after being micromanaged in the skilled nursing setting and then in a corporate acute care setting. And in the speech therapy services of North Louisiana, I contracted with an existing physical therapy and occupational therapy clinic to provide speech services for them. They didn't want to touch it. So I basically came in and I had full reign of what I wanted to do. And it was a really good situation for us. I did that for a few years. I had contracts, you know, with the state to do disability evaluations. I had home health contracts. I had patients coming in for traditional therapy and assessment. And then I started doing fees. So I started doing fees in the clinic. Then I started doing mobile fees. And then the mobile fees grew. And the mobile fees grew some more. <laughs> and then it grew a lot more. And then I actually ended up terminating my private practice, speech therapy services in North Louisiana to do mobile fees full time. So that's kind of how I got to where I am now. <laughs> Minus all the other projects. <laughs> I love it. So the mobile fees is primarily what your private practice is nowadays. Yes. Yes, absolutely. So I do mobile fees three to four days a week. And I love it because I get to work as much as I want to work, which for a lot of mobile feesers, they want to do full time five days a week. And I think that's absolutely wonderful. For me, I don't. <laughs> and I've learned that about myself that I don't want to get out there and do it five days a week unless I have to. If I'm doing competency training or I have someone come to help with that, then I absolutely will do it five days a week, but not every week. I like to have those other days to be able to devote to my other passion projects that I've discovered kind of along the path of getting me to where I am now. So I heard a term the other day that I loved, which was multi passionate. Oh, I love that. It was like a hashtag, hashtag multi-passionate. 
And I was like, oh my God, I love that so much. So tell our listeners, what are some other things that you are passionate about? How did those things get started and what do they look like? Well, in the process of getting out there and marketing for my mobile fees company and even the my private practice, one of the themes that kind of jumped out at me that I really enjoyed doing was the educational aspect. So I did spend some time working with Teresa Richard and helping out with the Medical SLP Collective. So that was one of my passion projects. And then I started a nonprofit organization called the Dysphagia Outreach Project. A lot thanks to her mentorship and belief in me that I could do it. And I had convinced myself for years that this little idea that I had in my head was too big for me. And it was not something that I would do. It's something that other people would do. And so she was one of my biggest cheerleaders and convinced me to just go for it. And I found tremendous support for this organization. And so I have the Dispatch Outreach Project, which is in the process of getting up and running. And I've also started another company. It's actually a merchandise company. So it's not anything that's even remotely in my comfort zone, but I kind of have been one of those crafty people that everybody's like, oh, I want to buy that. And I was like, oh, well, maybe there's a way I can kill two birds with one stone and make some fun things and engage the artistic right hemisphere side of my brain, but then also bring some awareness to some of the really good causes that are out there that are speech therapy related. So slpstuff.com kind of became born and portion of every purchase from that website is going to go towards supporting a whole bunch of really great nonprofits. And I'm super excited about that aspect. I can't wait to see the changes that we're going to make by getting really cool stuff. (laughs) It's like win-win. So it just makes me so excited. And then as a birthday present to my husband, because this is the kind of person I am, I gifted him a business. So (laughs) some people, you know, buy their husbands like Lowe's gift cards or tools I got him an LLC, (laughs) so his business that I'm helping him run is Red Lightning Customs, and then I've got a couple other projects that are like 2020 projects that, you know, we'll see if I get to him in 2020, I might have my hands full with what I got right now. (laughs) And you also have two kids. I do. I have a 17-year-old with high-functioning autism. He's absolutely brilliant, and we're looking at hopefully getting him into MIT which is probably a large part of the motivation for getting all these various income streams (laughs) because I'm staring down the gun of tuition here very shortly. And then I have a three-year-old who is neurotypical and just a little handful. So I guess the reason why I brought that up, I know that about you personally, is to also highlight that you have a lot of different things that you're doing and that you're making them all work. Oh, absolutely. So you have your private practice with the mobile fees a couple days a week, and then Mm -hmm. in your spare time, haha, (laughs) you're doing all of these other things and being a wife and a mom and everything else. So how do you structure your time in trying to make all these things work? Well, I think one of the things, and you and I have talked about it before about me, is that I'm one of those personality types that you could call me a generator. So I go and I go and I go and I go and I go until I literally run out of gas. So that's part of how I get so much done is that I'm one of those people that cannot physically sit still. My doctor calls it ADHD. 
<laughs> I say it's a gift. It's actually a blessing. It's um, one of the things that really helps me get going and keep going. And I have this unlimited enthusiasm for all these projects and it just keeps me moving. Part of it is, is also realizing that I can't do it alone and that I've had to ask for a lot of help from mentors such as you, Teresa Richard, also a huge influence. And you know, other people that I've gotten to meet along this journey have, have all given me different tools that I could use to help myself get all of these things done and maintain my sanity. So I've learned how to incorporate structures that help me force myself to take time off, like getting an office outside of my house. That was a big move fairly recently because if I had an office in my house, I was working eight days a week, you know, 120 hours a week. So by having an office outside of my house that I could close the door and lock it and walk away, then I was forcing myself to have more normal work hours. And when I'm home, I'm more present with my family. And when I'm at work, I'm more present at work. And there's less of the blurring of the lines. So for me, that was probably one of the biggest shifts that I've done recently that's helped a lot. And, you know, I thinking like a CEO so instead of thinking like, I have to do all of these things, thinking of, okay, well, I have someone who's really, really crafty and handy in my friend circle. I think I should hire her to help me out with this part of my business. Or I think for this air table that I need to have created, maybe I should hire out a virtual assistant. And so getting more comfortable with being able to delegate those things has been really handy. So I actually have, I don't know if I showed you, in my office above my desk or next to my desk, a sign that says delete, delegate, or do. So I ask myself those things all the time. And so by delegating more, I'm able to accomplish more. So even though it seems like I would be working 100 hours a week doing all of these different projects, I'm actually working less now than I was nine months ago, which is just mind-boggling. Well, and really important for your stamina over time. So you used an analogy when we were talking earlier before we started recording about a tree. Tell us uh -huh. about your tree. In my office, I have this large metal cutout of a tree and it's there to remind me. My mom is super wise and she noticed that I have this tendency to just go and go and go and go until I run out of gas. So she told me years and years ago, it's basically the story of the giving tree. So the giving tree is this beautiful giant oak tree and it gives its branches for fuel, for fire to keep you warm. And it can give its fruit to you for sustenance and its boughs for shelter. But if it gives away its water, the tree will wilt and die. So she always tells me, Hillary, are you giving away your water again? <laughs> and so I have that metal cutout in my office so that it's a visual reminder for me to watch my roots, to make sure I'm not giving away too much water from my root. Well, especially because Hillary and I are very similar in a lot of ways. In addition, we're both from Louisiana. But other than that, are you actually from Louisiana or you just live there? I'm a transplant. I'm sorry. Whatever. We're I was born in Texas, though, so it's close. Yeah, close. Okay, we're close. So we're both <laughs> Southerners. We both have two kids. We're both, you know, this multi-passionate kind of thing and also are like multiple streams of income kind of people. So I think also for people listening, it's really nice to think about diversifying income as a way to grow not only your 
private practice. It could be related to your private practice or it could be something else, but to grow your income, but also to grow your impact. Mm -hmm. That's something that Hillary has done a really nice job of, of not only figuring out how to grow that income, but not losing sight of also growing the impact. And I think that that's what your nonprofit and the charitable side of your new merchandise business is going to be about. Did Absolutely. You, you set out to have that like on purpose? The, obviously, getting out there and making changes with my mobile fees company was, you know, huge for me. And getting out there and advocating and making changes even at the grassroots level in our state organization really felt good to me. And when I started doing the nonprofit, I found the, the response that we had to the nonprofit and all these people going, oh my gosh, I want to be a part of it, really just hit home that one little seed of an idea that I had in my head that I kept to myself for literally years has the potential to impact thousands of lives if I just get off my butt and do it. So I've surrounded myself with a wonderful board and a lot of really great volunteers to help make that a reality. And it is becoming a reality. And so today I was meeting with the volunteer coordinator, Nicole Kyle, and she just reignited my passion for that whole project. And every time I, you know, get to see it through other people's eyes, it just fuels me. And it's like, oh gosh, wow, we can really make some changes with this. And then with SLP stuff, it did kind of go together. I was thinking about selling some of the, the merchandise that I make on the side, but it just felt icky. You know, it felt commercial. It felt, I don't know how to describe it, but it didn't really feel right until I was like, oh, I can sponsor nonprofits. And then all of a sudden it was like, oh, dude, I'm doing this. <laughs> Here we go. This is a thing. And then everything just sort of clicked in my head and the universe just saw it fit to put open up all the doors that were, you know, blocked. And it just sort of, everything fell into place the way it was supposed to. And I really feel like if I've been called to do anything, I feel like it's to kind of be a cheerleader for the little guy, you know, to show people whether you have, you know, a teeny tiny goal of, you know, making a change in one patient versus creating a nonprofit that's a national nonprofit. I think no matter what that goal is, if you have people that you can be inspired by who can show you that it is possible if you believe in yourself, I feel like that's kind of where I'm at. I want to root for the small guys. I want to root for the, the people who need help and to spotlight all of the really awesome SLPs that are out there doing some really amazing things. I think that's... So what advice would you have to somebody listening who has their own idea and whether it's like a crazy idea or just an idea that they don't know if it's doable, but maybe they want to start a nonprofit or start some other kind of a business. What advice would you give to somebody in that situation? So I would find a group of people in your life because we all have them who aren't the people who shut you down all the time, not the ones who impose their limitations upon you. Like, oh, you don't want to start a private practice because it, you know, 50% of them go out of business. You don't want to pose it to that person. <laughs> so stay away from them. But those people that you can trust to always give you solid advice and, and test out the concept with people. For mine, I, you know, have been blessed to be surrounded by a group of really, really inspirational 
women and SLPs who I've been able to bounce my ideas off of. So I think your groups, Jenna, are a fantastic place to sort of test those concepts. So finding a good supportive place or a supportive group of people to test those concepts and say, you know, I've been thinking about doing this thing. What do y'all think? And, you know, if you're in a supportive environment, they'll tell you, oh my gosh, that's an amazing idea. Or they'll say, you know, I think that that might work if you tweak it a little bit. <laughs> but finding those people who are honest enough to tell you yay or nay, or it's good or it's not, or you need to tweak it or let's try it this way is going to make all the difference. Yeah. What other advice would you have for someone who wants to start a private practice? I would say just do it. Just do it. Don't get in your own head too much about it. Just take each day a little at a time. So Teresa always told me little things that have resonated. And one of her little sayings that I just love so much is even baby steps move you forward. So that I feel like should be tattooed on my forehead sometimes. So every time I look in the mirror, I see even baby steps moving forward. So even when you feel like you're not making a huge amount of progress, even if you just do that one thing that day, you make that one call, you send that one email, just do it. Get out of your head and just do it. The whole piece about getting out of your head is about letting go of potential judgment from other people. Oh, absolutely. I think it's more for myself, for ourselves. I feel like we're harder on ourselves than anybody who's around us. I know for me, I have talked myself out of things so many times thinking I'm not good enough. I'm not big enough of a person to do that. This isn't something that I can do. It's bigger than me. I can't tell you how many times. So I'm presenting at ASHA this year and I had a moment of, oh my gosh, I'm presenting at ASHA. Am I, am I big enough to present at ASHA? <laughs> and then I was like, oh wait, yeah, I am. Okay, we're cool. <laughs> but, but even still, like the little, it starts to tickle in the back of your brain and you just have to tell it, Shh, go away. You're not welcome here. <laughs> go away, negative self-talk. You're not well, allowed. That imposter syndrome will get people down, right? It, it really will. will. It'll put these limits on you. And what you have to do is start to identify what are the things that are holding me back. And they could be real things. They could be just crazy notions. I think the first step is to really identify what are some of these things holding me back and then make a plan to completely bust through them and just let them go. Because there are so many people out there who need our help, our services, our time, our energy, our money. And if we hold back, we can't serve them. So you're actually doing a tremendous disservice by holding back. Getting out of your own way is the way to help other people. Oh, absolutely. I would say that easily that's been more of a, an obstacle for my journey than anyone telling me you can't do this because I don't know about you but I'm one of those kinds of people that if someone outside of my head tells me you can't do this then like the inner rebel in me says oh yeah watch me <laughs> so if anything people outside of my head telling me I can't do it is is more of like a 
inspirational action because I'm just, you know, like, Oh yeah. Okay. I'll see you from the other side of that mountain. <laughs> but oddly enough, when I do it to myself, I have a harder time overcoming it. And so I think that, yeah, like you were saying, just getting out of your head. Yeah. Because if you don't, you're just not going to be able to move forward and help the people who need to be helped or help yourself too. Mm-hmm. So is there anything that we haven't touched upon yet that you want to make sure that the listeners know about? Well, we're always looking for volunteers for the Dysphagia Outreach Project. So if anyone is out there and feels called to participate in a nonprofit, get your feet wet and have it be part of your personal growth journey. We are looking for some amazingly inspired individuals to come help us make this a reality. So dysphagiaoutreach.org. We should have a website up new website soon. So we have like a holding website, but we're working on it in the background. And so we should have a prettier one up, but dysphagiaoutreach.org is a really great place for you to come and sign up and volunteer. And maybe I can help you on your path to growing and participating and helping spread some of the good that's out there. I love it. Well, thank you so much, Hillary. I want you to continue going, keep being this multi-passionate person, but don't forget, don't give all your water away, just like says keep going and keep fighting hard for what's right and for what's needed in your community, but not losing sight rather of what you need in order to continue on the path that you've started because so many people already have and will benefit from your energy. And I'm just so excited that we were able to connect on that and to have you share your story with the listeners. Well, and I just have to say on behalf of everyone that's been inspired by you, thank you for being such a good voice for all of us and inspiring us and for being there when I text you out of the blue freaking out because I don't know how to structure the donations for my SLP stuff (laughs) and just being there for all of those things. Like it may seem like something very small, but it's actually, you know, you being there and being present has been such a huge inspiration for me and it helps me in turn, be inspired to be present when people ask me for help. So thank you for everything that you do. Oh, well, you are so welcome. It's such a pleasure to have found like a new way to help people. This is the thing with helping people, people, right? It doesn't matter who I'm helping. I just like to help them, right? Right. Whether it's clients, whether it's other SLPs and other private practitioners, whether it's my kids, like whoever it is, if you're a true helping people person, it doesn't really matter who it is that you're helping. That's going to be like what's in your nature. So I just consider myself extremely lucky to have found this entire like new cross section of people that I can help. And it fills your cup. It's an amazing feeling. Exactly. So, well, love it. Thank you so much. And I cannot wait to catch up with you in a couple months and see how things are going and what changes you know, you've made and what progress that you've made. So please keep in touch so I can communicate that to the listeners as well. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Have a good day. You too. Bye. Okay. See what I mean when I introduced this episode and I said that Hillary was multi-passionate. I am in awe of all of the things that she's accomplished in her career and all of the wonderful things she has ahead of her to help people not only in her area, but now nationwide. So if this is something that you're interested in, if you are also a multi-passionate person and you're thinking of ways to channel that energy 
and you want support around which things you should do first, or maybe which ideas you shouldn't pursue at all, one of the places that Hillary has been able to go for help is inside of the Grow Your Private Practice coaching program. This is a program that helps people grow their private practices to their desired level, whether that's adding additional income streams, streamlining systems, hiring a team, anything in between. So if this is something that you're interested in doing, I urge you to head over to growyourprivatepractice.com and find out if you qualify to become a member so that you can level up your private practice and your life. Thank you for listening. Now that you've listened to the episode, I want to invite you to a free training. Do you have a business background? Most SLPs who go into private practice don't. You went to grad school, not business school. But here you are trying to start or grow a private practice. The good news is business skills can be learned and I want to help you make solid decisions on how to start and grow your private practice so you can serve your community and build a legacy while doing therapy on your own terms and your own time and yes, make more money. I want to invite you to my free training specifically to help SLPs get the background information you need to know in order to be successful. There are two tracks, the start track and the grow track, because the needs of beginners and growth level private practitioners are very different. The trainings are short but thorough and can be consumed and put into action quickly. I want to teach you how to think, act, and behave like the private practitioner you are meant to be so that you can step into the vision you have for your private practice and your life. And the best part, these trainings are completely free. To register right now, simply visit independentclinician.com. Click start or grow and we can get started right now. Well, this episode might be over, but we don't have to say goodbye. Head on over to independentclinician.com for resources that will help you at each stage of your private practice journey. If you're on Instagram, let's connect. Follow me and send me a DM. I'm at independent clinician. And if you're on Facebook, make sure that you join the SLP and OT Private Practice Beginners Facebook group. All right, off to help more regular SLPs and OTs become successful private practitioners. Let me know if I can help you too.